Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another exciting night of NBA basketball. With the first pick, the Detroit Pistons select Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State University. Chandler again. Oh, what a block by Max Seal! My goodness! The Pistons are digging in. They got the depth. They got the big men. They got the better basketball team. No doubt about it. There's Jaden playing the passing lane. Sky's a jam. Dunk and the crowd loves it. Pistons need a three, and they have just under three seconds to do it. Here's Chauncey Phillips. Here it is. He's got it. He's got it. Chauncey Phillips hits the three. Overtime. Amazing. Out of bounds. Detroit Basketball. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Brought to you by Believe. I'm your host this week, stepping in for Mike Anguilano. It's Eric Johnson. Thanks so much for, for tuning in, everyone. And joining me this week is my good friend, Jasper Apollonia. Jasper, we've got some great stuff to talk about this week. Uh, excited to have you here. How are you, my friend? I'm doing okay. Uh, you know, it's been another week of losses for the Pistons, but nothing we don't expect at this point. So it is what it is. Um, yeah, just excited to be on here talking about the Pistons and we might actually have a, a little bit of developing news on this podcast as well. It remains to be seen since we still have a couple games left in the season, but a big portion of this fan base could could have one of their biggest prayers answered coming up here in the next week or so. Yeah, it does sound like one way or another shortly after the season ends, we're going to get uh, some information that's that's pertinent to the, to the direction that the Detroit Pistons are going to go in. Uh, heading into the 2024-2020, excuse me, 2023-2024 season. Um, but before we get into that discussion, we've got to talk about some stuff that Troy Weaver shared to the public earlier this week. And before we get into that, I want to talk about this week's sponsor. It's, as always, our lovely, lovely sponsor, Bet Online, And Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting this season. Get analysis of every player, prop, and point at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online is your betting headquarters this season and all seasons. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use our promo code BLEAV, B L E A V, to receive your bonus. Again, 50% bonus on your first deposit bet online matches. It's a great bonus. Use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to sign up and receive that bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Okay, now we can get into our first topic of the show. And, you know, if you would have asked me a couple days ago, as, you know, we kind of start putting stuff together for the show, what our main topic uh, or what the, the biggest topic was going to be this week. I, I thought this was really going to be it, uh, but we've we've got some more stuff related to Dwayne Casey that we're going to talk to a little bit later in the show. But Troy Weaver, earlier this week, released a letter to the fan base, courtesy of Pistons.com and NBA.com, uh, citing the disappointment that the front office and he himself shares with the fan base over uh, the season that has unfolded in the way that it has for Detroit. 
it's not a super long letter. Really, I think the biggest thing that, that I take, took away from it was this following quote. Overall, our players have overwhelmingly embraced the core principle of going to work and competing every night. We are in an excellent spot to upgrade our roster this offseason. We've positioned ourselves for another high draft choice in this year's draft. We have favorable salary cap position, and we'll continue to talk with teams and evaluate trade opportunities as they present themselves. Make no mistake, we are all disappointed with our record this season, but are confident that we continue to be on the right path to success. We appreciate your patience, trust, and loyal support as we continue this journey together. A general manager releasing an apology letter to a fan base, not something I had on my bingo card this season uh, for not just the Pistons, but I guess the NBA as a whole. Jasper, does this letter uh, coming out from Troy Weaver, does this statement to the fan base uh, in the same season in which Weaver agreed to a contract extension with the Pistons provide you with any sense of, of, of comfort or renewed confidence and what Weaver and the organization is capable of doing moving forward? I mean, comfort, renewed confidence? No. I. The way I look at this letter, it's been interesting to me to see kind of the reaction around it because I've seen a lot of people getting mad at Troy Weaver for some reason. Um, for me, I think it's kind of the base of what's necessary. This was a team that came in. I mean, look, Kate Cunningham went on Zach Lowe's podcast before – the season started, uh, I believe it was right either before or after the first preseason game against the New York Knicks, and straight up said that he and the organization were trying to compete for the play-in this year. Obviously, Troy Weaver, he had to acknowledge that Kate Cunningham's injury played a big part in that, and he absolutely did. Uh, he said, while the injury impacted the continuity of our team, it also presented an opportunity for growth from others. Rebuilding does not always fo follow a linear path. And I think that, that is unfortunately true, this case, which is extraordinarily disappointing considering that this team finished with, what, 22 wins last year? Uh, and they regressed this season. So no, it's, it's hard to have renewed confidence in Troy Weaver for stating the obvious. It's hard to feel um, reassured that a team that missed their best player, yes, for the season, but still had their second best player in Boyan Bogdanovich for the rest of it and pretty much everybody else. I, I mean, that's one of those things that's always been interesting to me, people talking about, oh, the record's so bad because they've shut everybody down. Boyan Bogdanovich almost played 60 games this year. Like, they were terrible in the 60 games that he played. So for me, just saying, oh, well, you know, we lost Cade and that's why everything fell apart, that to me does not fill me with any more confidence. That being said, I also don't think it's a, something that he should be derided for. Okay, yeah, the Pistons were not good this year. Yeah, they lost Cade Cunningham. On the other hand, he's absolutely correct when he says that players like Jalen Duran and Jaden Ivey absolutely grew throughout this season. They are better players now than they were at the beginning. And not just in terms of the things that they showed you at the beginning of the season, but in terms of growing. Jaden Ivey with the passing. Uh, with the finishing, with the shooting, most of all, perhaps. Jalen Duran, in terms of being a more consistent defender. And in these last couple of weeks, showing up with the passing, uh, showing up with the face-up game a little bit. That's definitely been encouraging. Overall, however, this letter doesn't do much for me. I look at it the same way that I look at 
previous letters from GMs I've seen uh, are are not with us. Co-host Mike Angolano posted one from a couple years ago uh, from the Cleveland Cavaliers, actually from last year from the Cleveland Cavaliers with Kobe Altman, uh, you know, basically saying, hey, we did a good job. Things went better. They didn't go as we expected. But don't worry, we're getting Colin Sexton back next year. Colin, we can't wait to have you. Uh, so that's kind of how I look at this letter, where it's like, look, it's it's there for the fans. It's to placate them. I, I don't look at it as really anything differently than that. Aaron, how about you? Is there anything that you're really taking out from this letter that makes you feel one way or another in Troy Weaver? Well, I think, obviously, it make no mistake, this is obviously a, a form of PR by Troy Weaver and the Pistons. And, I, you know, you get that they're trying to instill confidence in the fan base and, and where this organization is going, right? They have tickets to sell. They have jerseys to sell. They want fans to feel confident in, in where this team's going and that there were some uh, things that happened this season that derailed the Pistons from getting to where they want to be. But when I look at, at this letter and I read, we've positioned ourselves for another high draft choice in this year's draft. As if that is some sort of selling point, uh, as if that's some sort of success, you know, to me, I don't understand if they're just trying to pick off on those who are so naive to feel like that is a major accomplishment, or if, I guess they genuinely feel like that's a success, that, that they were bad enough that they could uh, secure a top five pick. I think that part is what irked me about this letter. I don't necessarily have a problem with Weaver releasing this type of statement. Um, I think it would have came off a little bit more. Um, I, I guess I'm trying to to find the, the, the proper wording for it, but I, I guess I would have related to it a little bit stronger if he would have maybe taken uh, a little bit more of the blame and, and said, Things didn't work out. We have to be better. We're going to be better. These are some of the things we're going to try to do. Uh, you know, we. it would have been nice if he could have made a comment like, we are, you know, fully entrusted in Dwayne Casey and what, what he's building with this team. You can look at the exact development of Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with the letter. I feel like selling people on, oh, it was a success that we were able to lock ourselves into a high draft pick is picking on naive people, picking on fans. We've, who, we've positioned ourselves for another high draft choice. That, that made me laugh. Some sort of that was funny. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, folks, we've done the work. We've put in all the hours, and don't worry, we've lost all the games we could. <laughs> you know, the Pistons do have favorable cap position, but it's what, you know, 30, 35 million? We're not talking about, you know, a ton, a ton of money. There are the teams that have more cap space to work with uh, this summer. And again, as we've talked about uh, on this podcast, not necessarily a draft class, or excuse me, a, a free agency class where that money's going to do you much benefit. Um, but I understand why Troy Weaver did it. I think this is a, a vital offseason for him. I think the team has to take a major step forward next season. I think comfortably speaking, they need to, in order, if they do want to make the play in next year, if they want to make the playoffs next year, they're going to have to win 40 ball games. And 
assuming they don't win another game this year, considering they're one in what, 21, 22, in their last 22, 23 games, they're going to end with 16. So they have to find 24 more wins next season. And that's not happening just because Cade Cunningham's coming back, just because they're getting a top five pick. I, I think people underestimate how hard it is to win in the NBA when the conversation that I see on Twitter is that, well, the Pistons are going to have Cade and, and, and Victor Wembanyama next year when, A, they are not guaranteed the number one pick. They are not guaranteed Victor Wembanyama. And, B, even if the Pistons did win the lottery and did land Victor, bringing back Cade and Victor is not getting this team from 16 wins to 40 wins. That's where I think there's a disconnect. I think there's a disconnect in some of the fan base believing it's really not, or the positions are really not that far off from getting to that playoff tier because 16 and 40 is a, a rather significant number. And that's where my concern is. And that's where I feel like Troy Weaver hasn't done a, a good enough job because he's going to have to make a ton of moves this season. He is going to have to change a ton of the roster that he's already constructed himself over the past three years to get to that team to that point. And if you want to say, well, it doesn't really matter. What if they, what if they don't get the playoffs next year? Is that the end of the world? To me, does a GM deserve five years of, of getting to strip the roster down to, to nothing and do it his way and have nothing to show for it. People feel like people feel differently. That's my perspective on it. That gets a little bit off uh, of a tangent from this letter itself, but I also think it's, it's reasonable to share those, those thoughts because this letter does talk about how they feel they've positioned themselves uh, for, for next season and for the future, because I feel like they still have quite a ways to go. Troy Weaver has a lot of work to do before this team uh, is going to be a playoff group. Absolutely. And we've, touched on it many times on this podcast and we're going to continue to talk about it going into the offseason there needs to be a lot of changes on this roster you know for for everything that we've said for all the complaints we've had about the play style about the players on the team the fact of the matter is most of them are not going to be on this team if and when they get good that's just the reality of it you're not going to have all these guys on the roster you're looking at these final few games even um Really, other than James Wiseman, Jalen Duran, and Jaden Ivey, I'm not sure any of these players have a guaranteed roster spot for next year. So those are, I do have to say, things that you have to take into account when it comes into, you know, jumping up 20 wins. It's very difficult, but we have seen it done. We've talked about Cleveland as being a team that's done that. You can talk about Oklahoma City as another team that's done that. They won 24 games last year. They are the 10 seed right now, and they are fighting for 40 wins in the West. So it's certainly feasible. It's absolutely doable. Um, in regards to him not mentioning anybody specifically other than Kate Cunningham, I think that's very purposeful for the same reason that I brought up the Kobe Altman letter. You don't want to mention somebody like Dwayne Casey. You don't want to mention some of these maybe more fringe players because there's a big chance that they're gone. You've lost a lot. And like we've said, there needs to be major roster changes. There's most likely going to be major coaching staff changes, even if Dwayne Casey is back for next year. So when you look at it as a whole, I think he 
honestly did a pretty good job with this letter in, in laying out exactly where the organization is, um, why they haven't succeeded. And also, and this is the number one thing you want to do with, with a PR release, is avoid future bad press. And I think that he probably did that with this letter as well. Um, now, it doesn't fill me with any more confidence, but I definitely think the messaging is is about as good as it can be. And when it's all said and done, that is the reality of the situation. Like, they are going to have to get another high draft pick. They're going to have to listen to trades, and they're going to have to figure out something in free agency. Perhaps those last two things come in play with each other. Um, I'm more than ever, especially looking at this free agency class, and we definitely will do a free agency breakdown podcast at some point. Uh, I think, especially with this free agency class, you're going to have to ex- you're going to have to explore the sign and trade possibilities, and you're going to have to explore the idea that there's going to be stars that aren't necessarily going to want to be there uh, on the teams that they're on that are going to be available, and it's definitely going to be out there the same way that. Cleveland took that leap to 40 wins by trading for Jared Allen. There's a chance that you're going to have something available like that to you as well. So it just comes down to, again, just it's enough words. There needs to be action going into this next season, because like we're about to talk with with our next topic, um, it seems like the seats are warming up a little bit in Detroit, doesn't it, Aaron? Um, Because following the, the, the loss to the Brooklyn Nets on Wednesday, Dwayne Casey made some really interesting, possibly telling comments when he was asked about his future with the organization. Um, He met with Tom Gorris after the game on Wednesday night, and that actually delayed him from meeting with the media post-game. According to him, what he said is, we're going to talk about, we're going to look at everything and meet again after we're all done and see which way we all want to go as far as the organization He also said that nothing's been decided as far as his job is concerned. And when asked about returning, he said, it would be good, but I want to do what's best for the organization. Whatever Tom decides to do and whatever Troy decides to do, it will be that way. Now, obviously that's the case. The GM and the owner ultimately have more say over the coach's position than the coach himself. Uh, That goes without saying. Um, But these are comments that I have not heard from Dwayne Casey, say, last year when the Pistons also finished with a very disappointing record. Aaron, are you reading into these comments at all from Dwayne Casey? Do you feel like this is him kind of signaling that he thinks he's out the door from the coaching position and probably moving up to the front office, like has always been the plan? Or do you think that this is just him, you know, covering his bases since he did meet with Tom Gorris after the game? And just going through the motions of what happens every year in the NBA, because let's be real every season win, lose, or well, you don't draw in the NBA, but win or lose, no matter how your season ends, I have to imagine head coaches meet with the GM and the owner every single year and every single organization to see where they're at and where they're moving forward to. Correct. I think these are some of the most telling comments from, from Casey in really as far as I can recall this season. This is the most defeated he's ever really come off. He does such a great job when speaking to the media of, you know, that that coach speak style mentality uh, doesn't really give into anything going on behind the scenes, any of the emotions of, of that. 
he does such a good job of just kind of keeping everything face value, not giving in, you know, not giving any sort of hint on, on what's really going on. And I think these these quotes were, were rather telling. I think they were very indicative of his future with this organization is is cloudy. And whether you believe that should be the case or not, it certainly sounds like it's that way. I mean, this is, again, the most defeated that I can recall him ever really speaking, uh, at least about, you know, his sort of job security uh, with the organization. But he said he loves coaching. Uh, he, he, you know, liked to come back as the coach. I don't know if that's going to be the case. Uh, I've certainly knocked Dwayne Casey plenty this year and not just this year, but I've also said that Troy Weaver's not given him a good enough roster to work with. So I think those two things sort of go hand in hand. And if Troy Weaver's going to be back next year, where does Dwayne Casey fall, right? Some people will say, even if Troy Weaver's back, which is going to, he's going to be back. Even if Troy Weaver is back, Dwayne Casey needs to go. And I don't necessarily disagree with you because let's face it, Dwayne Casey has has had plenty of opportunity with the Pistons. He's the sixth longest tenured coach in the NBA, but he has never held a winning record in his time with the Pistons. He actually has the second lowest winning winning percentage uh of a head coach with the Detroit Pistons, who's been with the organization for one year. Those stats coming courtesy of our rival Detroit Bad Boys in an article that uh, they posted this week, I believe. Come on, Aaron, no free clout. Come on, no man. free clout, but we're no free clout because I'm I'm reading that from their story. So it's you know it's it's fair That's... fair game. Um, he's had his opportunity, and it. Well, and Aaron, he's he's the second longest tenured tenured head coach in the history of the organization. The only one with who's been there was there longer was Chuck Daly, and they've never had a winning season under Dwayne Casey. Again, I think it's not just his fault. Like the general manager's job is to put together a team that should win, and I don't think that the Pistons have done that outside of the year where you know it was Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, and they made it to the playoffs. But by then, Blake was hobbled, and they kind of crawled in as an eight seed and it was you know they were dead in the dead in the water from there but to be fair it's not like the front office is given to win casey great officers every year to work with no certainly not both sides you know what i mean Abs- yeah absolutely and and i think that there has to be it's tough because for me i've i've maintained on this podcast you know i think Dwayne casey gets another year i think that he is as much on the hot seat as any coach can be at this point um it, without being fired it's going to be interesting I, I have to stick with my gut and say that you know Cade Cunningham's injury bought him another season especially that the fact that Troy Weaver got extended I, I really have to think that that Casey um I just think he got another year the the relationship between him and the front office is really solid the hard thing there though is that if the Pistons are going into next season with the expectation of winning, if they are somehow, by the grace of God, also gifted with Victor Webb and Yama on their roster and a healthy Cade Cunningham, I think that it's going to be hard for Troy Weaver to go into that situation knowing that he himself also is likely on the hot seat 
going into year four with the organization, and then year five would be the year after that. If they don't win next year, you have to imagine he's going to be under some incredible, incredible pressure. And to be in that situation as a general manager without ever having hired your own head coach, that's got to be a really stressful situation. And I think even if he likes Dwayne Casey, it's going to be really hard if Tom Goris is saying, hey, these wins need to start happening. Like, and they need to start happening now. Would yeah, you I... as a general manager be comfortable going down without ever having hired your own coach? That seems really hard for me. And, and I say this as somebody that's maintained that I think Casey will be back next year. I've never been more unsure of it, however. Uh, I'm sticking with it just because I don't like to flip-flop, but... I mean, Aaron, do you see another thing? I mean, like I said, I think second longest point. tenured, second longest tenured head coach in the history of the organization. The other, the only person who was there longer won two championships. So, I mean, what Flip Saunders had a damn near sixty percent winnings percentage. He couldn't stick around. Say what you will about SVG, but damn, at least he made it to the playoffs. I mean, they over they over exceeded expectations in 2015. Say what you will about the rest of his tenure. They absolutely outperformed expectations when they made the playoffs as the eight seed and won 43 games. There's no question about it. Have the Pistons overperformed expectations a single year with Dwayne Casey in charge? And more so than that, you look at the way that they've been coached, his first season, second season, there was a couple games there where they actually won because Dwayne Casey did a good job coaching. I think about... 2020, the game they won against the Suns. Dwayne Casey outcoached Monty Williams in that game. There is absolutely no question in my mind about it. I remember that game. I don't remember a single game this year where I've said, wow, you know what? Dwayne Casey did a really good job with his rotations tonight. Uh, you know what? I don't give Dwayne Casey a lot of credit, but I'll give him credit here. He changed up the defense. I haven't had a single game like that. It's been the same stuff. It's been bread and butter all season long. Um, it's been really unimpressive. The coaching display has been like the worst I've seen in his now five years of what, four years here. Um, it's just not been good straight up. And so I don't have a lot of confidence in his job position at this point. We will see though. I have to stick with my guns. Aaron, I mean, has, has, does that ring true to you as well? Because for me, I can think of a couple of games where Dwayne Casey won them in the past couple of years, even though the teams were here tor terrible even though the rosters were horrible even though they only won 24 games they at least were able to win a couple of them because they had decent coaching even if they lost other ones i can't think of a single game they've won because of their coaching i can think of multiple games that they've lost just look to the three games that they've lost this season on the exact same damn play where it's an end of game situation where you have a jump ball you lose the jump ball and the other team either gets a putback or gets an open shot it's happened three times this year aaron yeah, I think everything related to this season has just been kind of going through the motions is how I'd classify it. It, 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 it never really seemed like they were going out there and, and coaching to win and or anything like that. And, I, of course, by the All-Star break, they had shut, he shut everyone down, you know, a few weeks after the break and just mailed it in from there on out. So it's really just been kind of a, a sense that they're just going through the motions at this point. And Dwayne Casey's not done a good job this year. I think it's a very fair point that that you made that if there is any sort of, of urgency from, from Tom Gora's for Troy Weaver to get this team into the playoffs, you know, 
Troy hasn't ever brought in a coach. He hasn't brought in a head coach. He never made that hiring. He was able to tear down the entire roster, but he never got to pick the guy to lead this team. And so I think that that's interesting. It's an interesting remark that you made because that is something that, you know, if Troy Weaver is feeling that pressure from Gorez, he might look to and say, you know, haven't given Dwayne a great group every year, but I also know that I'm under a lot of pressure right now and the wins have to start coming. So do I make these changes? Do I bring in these new roster guys and bring in a new coach to see if there's improvement from the coaching staff and the players to where even if we don't get to the playoffs, there's enough improvement to where I'm safe for another season and get another year to see it out and another year to add another piece or to add another couple pieces. I think that's a fair question to ask. And for a general manager that did tear the roster down as soon as he got here, I think that's a fair, fair thought to question. Like it popped into Troy Weaver's mind. Like I haven't got to bring in my guy yet. No, I don't know who that is. I don't know if Troy Weaver has a, a coach in mind, a coach in waiting of some sort, but it, it it would make sense if he decided to go that route. Now, I again, I for me, I can so clearly see both sides of the argument because if it were me, I think Dwayne Casey has to go. I think you need new blood, fresh face. Coaches don't get this long, get this long of an opportunity and, and have nothing to show for it like Dwayne Casey has. I think you have to give a different look. On the flip side, I can also understand that, A, Dwayne Casey didn't have Kate Cunningham this year. Not that that was getting them to the playoffs, but he didn't have his best player, that everything was seemingly built around to coach through. B, I don't think he's been given a roster where you could reasonably expect them to get to 40 wins. Now, could you say uh, they needed to get the 33, 34, 35? Fine. But they were never, he was never given a playoff team, you know, not in Troy Weaver's era, at least. And that's where on the flip side, if you said, well, he, he, he does deserve another year. He deserves that, that full season of Kate Cunningham, that added pick that one more year of cap space. This has, this was the year that, that was, this, that was productalized to us a couple seasons ago, where it was the 2023, 2024 season the 2023 offseason that's the year of the pistons that's when they're planning to make all their moves so it's been prodigalized to us for years now that this was the up this upcoming year was the year for detroit to take that step forward as an organization so does Dwayne casey get that chance to lead them through i see both sides if it were me i think he has to go but if the team brings it back i i can at least see why they would say they decided to bring him back I'll say this. I think the fact that he has such a good relationship with the front office and you know that he's going to be moving into the front office does make that coaching change a lot easier. Because even if there's players in that locker room who are loyal to Casey, you know he's going to be a professional. You know he's not going to badmouth anybody while he's still working in the organization. Um, you know, he's not going to badmouth the, whoever the next head coach is. And I think it makes that transition a lot easier because you're not actually losing him. He's just moving to a different role. So players that like him, players that, you know, seek out his guidance, leadership, whatever it may be, they'll still have him as a resource. And I I do think that if you're Troy Weaver and you're looking at that, that situation like that, I think that if anything, that just gives you a little extra bonus 
really, you know, an extra little reason to be like, eh, you know what, maybe it is time to make that move. Because you know that you're not going to be losing the good things that Casey does bring to your organization by doing so. I'll also say this. In years past, the Pistons have lost a lot of games. And in years past, they've shut down their players at the end of the season. I haven't seen them lack competitiveness like they have this year in the past. It, I just haven't seen it. And I've seen a lot of people, a lot of my friends, people who don't really pay attention to the Pistons and really only just care about getting victor. And they go, hey, who, who cares if they how many games they lose? Who cares how they lose? It's all about the lottery balls. I do understand that perspective to a certain extent. But the lack of competitiveness in these late season games this year has been really disheartening. It's 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 not that they're losing games. It's how they're losing them. They're losing them in really stupid ways. They're losing them by, by giving up these leads uh, going into the fourth quarter. They're losing them on broken plays. They're losing them on dumb stuff, stuff that doesn't need to happen. They're losing them because of lack of competitiveness. Look at the game they just lost to Oklahoma City. They lost because they lost a jump ball. They didn't defend properly. And then nobody boxed out Jalen Williams on the baseline. That's coaching, period. That's coaching. And those are the type of mistakes that can't be getting made if you're trying to compete. It's not just about this year. If you are bringing Dwayne Casey back next year, if even if you get Vicar Wabanyama, like what does the coaching look like? What does the competitiveness look like? And to me, this is a team that is going through the same motions that the teams in previous years have, where they've shut down their best players at the end of the year, where they haven't played, where they have been trying to purposely lose, but unlike those seasons, there's no competitiveness. They're not playing good close games. They're not outperforming the roster that's being put there, the lineups that are being put out on the floor. They're underperforming, if anything. And that, to me, is a really big red flag. So if I'm looking at it from the replace Casey perspective, I think that those are two things right there, especially if I'm Troy Weaver and Tom Gorris. I'm looking at those two things, and I'm saying to myself – you know, the time to make a coaching transition has never been, never been easier. Well, I think it's going to be something that we learn more about sooner rather than later. Obviously with the regular season ending in just a few days, the Pistons are going to have immediately have an opportunity to start having these conversations, start making these decisions. Um, don't mean to put you on the spot, but are there any coaching names out there that yeah out to you right now or are you just kind of we need to move on from Casey the Pistons need to move on from Casey and and, and figure it out after figure out who's going to replace him after no definitely not I, I you have to have a couple of candidates lined up I think because again if the if the idea is to compete not to re-tear down the roster it does matter who you're bringing in you need to meet have somebody that's going to be able to connect to a really young roster, but also provide leadership. You're going to need somebody that's going to be able to give you something new in terms of X and O's. And that, that's not the easiest thing in the world to find. I also do believe that this is something that Jeremy Grant's touched on, something that Dwayne Casey's touched on, something that Troy Weaver has touched on. I really do believe that there is a concerted effort in this organization to put, you know, black people in better positions, um, in terms of the coaching staff, in terms of the front office. And I think that that's a real boon to the organization in terms of the players that they want to get in here. It definitely played for Jeremy Grant. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, 
if the organization wants to go for a black hood coach again, um, I think that'd probably be a good thing, to be honest. So for me, I look at it like that. Look, obviously the number one guy who you're thinking of when you go, oh, who does good X's and O's? Who's available? Who can relate to young guys? I hate to say it. It's Ime Udoka. And while I don't think that he's the guy that they would bring in, because I don't think this is an organization that is courting controversy, God knows the or- owner has enough of that as is. Just ask his uh, sister-in-law. Um, I-, I do ultimately think that Ime would probably be a little too controversial. So I look at somebody else, maybe Jerry Stackhouse could work, former player just like Dwayne Casey. Um, th- the problem there is, you know, he's coached Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt's been okay under him but he's still really inexperienced he hasn't had an nba coaching job yes he's had a g league coaching job but i don't think that's the same thing so eh, that that definitely gives me a little bit of worry as well i think you can also run back somebody even from this coaching staff i don't know how popular of a choice he would be but i think jerome allen definitely deserves to have an interview at the very least um and you know and if they wanted to go out of left field I guess you could bring a retread in if you want to go the Kenny Atkinson route or God forbid, Mark Jackson. Um, Or if you wanted to go another direction, you could also go for somebody like Becky Hammond. But to me, those don't really seem as reasonable. Um, I would not be surprised to see Jerry Sackhouse and Ime Adoka strongly linked to the franchise though, if Dwayne Casey is let go. How about you, Aaron? Anybody popping up on your radar? Somebody that people maybe aren't thinking of? Or is it maybe those people that I just threw out there? I mean, I think for me, the the clear-cut number one choice is absolutely Udoka. You look at the success that he had in Boston immediately with a younger team. Yes, they certainly much better than the Pistons. Um, but what he was able to do and, and the way that his players to this day still go to bat for him after everything that happened during his tenure, I, I still think that that's meaningful. I, I think... When you look at clear-cut X and O's success in terms of record, like Udoka certainly, certainly is the the number one choice. And he's a younger coach, a guy that was previously uh, interviewed by the Pistons before they decided to hire Dwayne Casey. So it's a it's not a guy that that the Pistons organization is unfamiliar with. And I believe that Udoka was one of the final three. Uh, for the Pistons job, if I recall correctly. So I think Udoka has to be considered. And it's the guy that if the Pistons did move on from Dwayne Casey, he would certainly be my number one choice. I think Mike D'Antonio is always a popular name. Uh, What he's done offensively is certainly remarkable throughout his career. And he's coached some phenomenal, phenomenal teams. He's worked with some phenomenal guards. Uh, Someone that I think would be great to have working and developing both Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. Uh, I think Kenny Atkinson is obviously a popular name that you're going to hear, one of those retreaded coaches. Um, I certainly think that he could provide some value. I think Jerome Allen, another name that you mentioned, is a guy that's going to get a look. He's a guy that, if you go on you know, Pistons Twitter, that's a guy that they talk about a lot uh, in terms of wanting him to be the next head coach. And those are some of the guys that, Really stick out to me. I guess that's really no one new outside of Mike D'Antoni, uh, outside of what you said. But I don't think this coaching uh, market right now is necessarily 
booming with a bunch of well-known names. Now, you know, who knows? Who's that next Taylor Jenkins, right? Who is that next assistant coach that's been sitting and waiting for 10, 15 years working as an assistant, a video coordinator, this and that, working his way up, that we as the general public don't really know about, but front offices and executives around the league are aware of, right? We don't necessarily know those names as much as we do these people that have had those opportunities before as head coaches. Um, but those are the guys that that stand out to me as of as of right now, with Udoka being far and away the, the top candidate uh, for the position. Yeah, and I'd be shocked if there weren't a couple of people that, you know, aren't just super well-known. I mean, look, let's be real. Even in NBA circles, how many people knew Eric Spolstra before he was hired as the Heat head coach? I Not a lot. I'm, I'm, I would guess even there's a lot of professional writers out there who didn't know who Eric Spolstra was. Um, but God, you sure would love to have that guy as your head coach. So there's always, always going to be some, you know, Head coaching candidates that are not big known names that are not super popular, but are really great basketball minds and can absolutely work. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see, yeah, a couple of those guys thrown in there as well. Um, I'm certainly not above hiring a, a coach I haven't heard of before. And, you know, the, the proof is always in the pudding when it comes to that stuff with the Udoka stuff, because again, for me, if I had my pick, if I had to pick the, person who to me most fits what this team needs from a new head coach, it would be Ime Udoka. I think he fits the role perfectly. The only question comes in there is, you know, considering that he was fired from Boston, considering that he was then not hired by the Brooklyn Nets. And of course we don't know how much the Kyrie Irving situation played into that. Do you worry about everything that went down, you know, behind the scenes regarding his firing? Cause it still doesn't feel like we've gotten a full story there. Uh, it does feel like there's certainly some some things that haven't been revealed about how everything went down there. Um, and especially, you know, if the rumors are true about what happened with him and perhaps a front office employee, do you worry about, you know, the, the, the Pistons looking at it and saying, eh, no thanks, we don't want to risk the headache, potentially? It's It's certainly not a situation that, you can just look past definitely not saying that in any way, shape or form. But I think that when you look at the league has not suspended him from coaching, the league is not told teams not to hire him. Brooklyn was going to hire him. They chose, ended up balking on that decision, but there's no legislation or anything like that put in place that says Ime Yudoka can't be an NBA head coach. Um, I don't think – I think it's a matter of he's going to get back in the NBA. It's a matter of when, not if. And when all of this stuff came out with Udoka last year and some of the dust initially began to settle, it was Adrian Wojnarowski who said, probably a year, probably a year, and then Udoka will be back. And it's been a year – the NBA hasn't pursued any sort of further punishment. We really haven't heard uh, any other information. No other information about that story has really become public. So, you know, if something else deeper happened, we don't really know that. And so it's tough for me to to fully, like, say, like, you know, you, you can 
look at the situation and still be confident in hiring him. You know, you can't say that because we as the public don't know everything that happened, but I think the league is allowing him to be, you know, a head coaching candidate. If he was going to be with the Brooklyn Nets, I think it's fair game. And in the interest of building a, a basketball team, in the interest of building a winning basketball team and having a winning coach, Ime Udoka is my choice for the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, fair enough. And look, we're talking about like the reasons why, even with the Cade Cunningham injury, Dwayne Casey might be gone. The fact that Ime Udoka very likely is not going to be available after this season, I think that that, if anything, adds more impetus to moving on from Dwayne Casey. You know what I mean? Like he, Udoka's already a guy that the organization likes, um, and you're probably not going to get another chance to get him. And I think that too is, you know, and also the, I think the question there also comes into, it's like, what does Udoka want? You know, does he want to go directly to a championship contender? Cause there's a chance he'll, he'll probably be able to. So I, I think that that, if anything is actually probably the bigger cause for concern, uh, at least from Pistons perspective. But yeah, if you're trying to win to me, there's nobody that fits the mold better than Emo Udoka. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we will see. It remains to be seen what will happen with Dwayne Casey, but my guess is, I mean, God, Aaron, the season ends before our next podcast. This is our last podcast before the end of the regular season for Detroit. My guess is by the next podcast, we will have a much better idea of what Dwayne Casey's future with this team looks like. Yeah, well, we'll certainly see soon enough what the team decides to do. I mean, the offseason begins as soon as the regular season ends for, for these non-playoff teams. So the Pistons would be wise to make that decision one way or, the, or another sooner rather than later. Hopefully we'll have more information on that by next week's show. If we don't, we'll still have plenty more to talk about looking back at the season that was for the Detroit Pistons, no matter how miserable it was as a viewing experience. For Jasper, thank you so much for joining me this week on the podcast. Hoping to have Mike back next week. Uh, for everyone listening, thanks for listening to this week's show. Make sure to use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, uh, to sign up and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with Bet Online. Thanks so much for tuning in. We will see you all next week back here on the Pals Pistons Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.